Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 050. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever read something or listened to someone hoping they could clear up some questions, and instead you walked away with more questions than ever? Sometimes it feels like the Bible can take us down this road. Where's the love, God? Why all the rules? Why do I need your help in the first place? The good news is that God doesn't just abandon us in our questions, he takes them on. You might even like the answers. Check them out. You ever been tasked with something that at first glance just seemed like it was going to be impossible? Maybe even beyond, I don't think I could ever do this. But maybe to the point of thinking, there's no way anybody could do this. Anybody could pull this off. Maybe it's something at work where you're working on a project that seems to have impossible deadlines. Maybe it's being teamed up with somebody in any kind of context that you just can't stand. And no, I'm not talking about marriage in this context. Maybe it's something a little more simple, a physical task that you try to take on, like scaling a 40-foot wall vertically. What did you do on your last vacation? Yes, that is me. I was going to say it was an 80-foot, but I'm figuring I can't lie that well. Sometimes our faith can even go through those same kinds of moments. Moments that give us questions, is this possible? Moments that make us uncomfortable, that make us wonder, be unsure. But the good news is, nothing is beyond the power and the gift of what God gives us that we go over today. Let's pray together. God, thank you always for the gift of your word. Work through it to transform us from the inside out, we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to do week two of our series, Activate, where we look at some of those blessings of our Christian faith that we maybe don't think about very often, kind of dust them off a little bit. And two weeks ago, when we were together last, we went through the idea of blasting through worry. See if from today's passage you can pick up on what today's idea is going to be. And from the passage, I'll give you this. It might be a little bit trickier than you might think. The passage comes out of Romans 5, verses 12 to 21. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men who sinned. As I said, it might be a little harder to pick it out today. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin was not counted where there was no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even those who were sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that grace, by that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, 
So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Here's the part where we're going to focus on the rest of this message. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. But there are some passages in Scripture that rather than answering a lot of questions, seems to spark a lot more of them. And this is probably one of them. In fact, the whole book of Romans can do a lot of this. And if you've ever spent any part of your life where God or faith or Christianity or church didn't really matter much, you probably get this in a, in a glaring way, where we can ask these questions because a lot of people, you know, whether they call themselves a believer or not, generally have some opinion of what they think God should be like. And it might get them to ask, they might come out and asking these kinds of questions. Well, why should I need God's help about anything? I'm a good person. Why does God have to be this cosmic killjoy and, and tell me all these things in the world that I cannot do? If God is so loving, where's the love? All of these are common and understandable questions. Uh, I, I was one who spent much time, uh, probably about through high school, uh, where God and church didn't really matter to me, even though I showed up for 45 minutes on a Sunday. So we're going to take some time to go after some of these questions that are, again, things we can ask, even if we've been a Christian for decades, because they are honest questions. So let's start off with that very first one. Why do I need God's help? I mean, even if we talk about this just in a spiritual sense, how many people have you ever heard who say, you know what, I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. I never went to a school and shot it up. I never robbed a bank. I'm a good person. Why should I need God's help for anything? Well, the fact is, all of us have disobeyed God at some point in our lives. I mean, it, even an honest atheist would have to say, you know what, okay, there's been some point in my life where I've been unloving to somebody. Just as a simple example. Now, to be sure that an honest Christian would have to say the same thing as well. That we have all disobeyed God at some point or another. And that disobedience, that sin, the word that the Bible would use, whatever it might be, whatever level it might be, leads to death. As Paul says in verse 12, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. I promise this is going to get better and better. I'm, we're starting out kind of in the valley here, but we're going to climb to the mountain a little bit. The fact is, I'm a good person works great when we're talking person to person. But God doesn't work on the same scale that we do. The fact is, if we've ever disobeyed, we need God's help. Because that creates, I mean, that puts us into the situation of we've sinned. Now we have a death penalty, spiritually speaking, if nothing else. We need God's work to get us past that. So it leads well 
into the next question that I'll throw up. This is my more creative terminology. Why is God this cosmic killjoy? I mean, why all the rules? Why all the laws? I mean, does God have a lot of laws in Scripture? Absolutely. Well over 600 at the last count that I studied. And some of them are a bit bizarre, to say the least. You get into some of the Old Testament books, uh, Leviticus is chock full of them, where you have clean and unclean animals are based on the right combination of split hooves and chewing the cud. And if you have an animal with split, with a split hood, but they don't chew the cud, they're in one class. And if they, an animal that doesn't chew the cud, but has a split hoof, my head spins just trying to say it out of my head. But yes, some of the laws are pretty bizarre. Some of them are a little more practical on the surface. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. That kind of makes a little bit of sense to us. We can, can know how to do something with that. So why all the rules? Why all the laws? Why does God have to wreck our fun? Why can't God just let stuff go? Well, I'll give you an example. There are a story that can illustrate what these laws are trying to do. When I was in junior high, I had a friend named Dave. And he tells me this story at the lunch table where he was riding his bike down the street and he came upon a stop sign. Well, Dave thought, in his 13-year-old wisdom, okay, there's a stop sign, but I'm on a bike, so I'm good. And he blows the stop sign. Good thing is, there was only one car around when he did it. Bad thing is, it was a police car. And first time I ever heard of a police officer doing this, police officer stops, pulls over my friend Dave, and says to him, do you know why I pulled you over? No, officer. Being respectful and all that. You blew the stop sign. So? Now, apparently there were two things that my friend did not know. The first one is, you don't say so to an officer who just pulled you over. I'm sure his parents got a nice report from the police station about that one. And second off, I'm sure the law enforcement people in this congregation will verify this, stop signs count for bikes as well. And Dave could have kept blowing stop signs, unaware of the fact that he was breaking the law, maybe even unaware of the danger involved in that. But the fact is, I'm going to go back to the biblical sense for a minute, the laws themselves were never meant to save by themselves. We're never meant to bring about life, salvation. The laws were meant to tell us how much trouble we were in. Every time my friend blew a stop sign after that incident with the police, he now knew I just broke the law. And if he kept doing it again and again and again, and let's say he kept getting tickets and tickets and fines and fines, he'd realize how much trouble he's in. Because now he can't claim ignorance. The law in the spiritual sense here, takes away I didn't know and shows us how much trouble we're into, how much we need saving. As Paul says in verse 20, now the law came to increase the trespass, to make us more aware of sin, that all of a sudden the things we didn't know, I didn't know I couldn't go through a stop sign. That's just back of your mind sort of stuff. Now all of a sudden we know about it. Dave knows about it. And all of a sudden it's right there in front of us like the big elephant in the room. The law comes, and so 
sin, trespass, increases. Once he knew the law, he knew he was doing wrong, and he knew how much trouble he was getting into by breaking that law. So it brings us to that third question. Where's the love? If God is so loving, why does God basically set us up to fail? Give us these 600 laws that we cannot fulfill, that we cannot keep, to say, hey, now you're in trouble. Now you know you can't get life on your own. So where's the love of this loving God that Christians so often talk about? The loving God is in the fact that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the scriptural version of what it comes down to. That's basically a bunch of $6 words for this idea. We couldn't do it, so God did it for us. That is where the love comes in. That is where grace comes in. We couldn't get life on our own because of sin, because we were spiritually dead, so God did it for us through his son. Just a month ago, we celebrated the the event of Jesus leaving heaven to come walk this earth among us. Well, he ultimately came to end up on the cross to give his life so that we could have life. So that when God looks at us and sees all the times that we've sinned, all the times that we have disobeyed, all the times we've blown the stop sign in whatever way we want to think of that, he doesn't see that. But he sees what Jesus did. We couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't be perfect ourselves. So God decided to be perfect for us and pay that penalty for us. It's a grace that says, whatever you have done in your past, I got it covered. Whatever sin you have committed, I can forgive it. Whatever it is that separates you from me, I can squash it under my foot like a bug. God didn't have to give us grace. He chose to. Now, if that isn't enough of a blessing, here's another cool thing about grace. And it's one that I kind of discovered as I was getting ready for this. That I always looked at grace as, okay, here is us being pardoned from our sin. That the penalty for our sin is paid. And it is that. Grace is that. But as John Piper says, grace is power, not just pardon. Now, what do I mean by this? Does God want us to live a certain way, in a way that glorifies him? Yes. There are certain things God calls us to do or not to do. I won't get into all the examples of that. You can probably come up with a couple yourself. But he also gives us the power to do those kinds of things. As Paul lays out 2 Thessalonians, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. See, grace stands in that gap for all those things that we can't do. That's where the pardon part comes in. We can't pay for our sin on our own. Grace stands in that gap for us. And grace gives us the power to do the things that we can do, little as they may seem. Now, the fact is, it's easier to practice grace to one another Grace and forgiveness often go hand in hand. So, you know, you can drop forgiveness into this next step and it'll still, it'll work out and still have the same idea. 
It's easier to practice that than to practice receiving grace from God. So that's where I'm going to take our next step for this week. That if somebody offends you, however you want to look at this, and hopefully you don't have to practice this very often, that's going to be your cue to run this week's memory verse through your head. That I'm going to throw up right now. Even Andrew had this one memorized, so throw it up, Ephesians 4.32. Let's say it all together. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Here's the fact. When we remember how much God has forgiven us, how much grace God has given to us, it becomes a lot easier to pass that grace onto somebody else, to forgive somebody else when we realize just how much God in Christ has forgiven us. That gives us the chance to experience that abundant life that grace gives us. Not just in the after we physically die, although grace gives us that, but right here and right now with the power, the pardon, and the life of grace. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.